I'm Angelique Rocher, and this is Marvel's Voices. Saladin Ahmed is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. He is also one of the smartest people I have ever met in my entire life. And one of the most in touch with his heritage and his history and his family connections to where he is from, but also to the rest of the world. This is our first time meeting Saladin in person. Me and Saladin have a an a internet relationship because I've been reading his work for a while and I have no problem like highlighting and spotlighting the comic books that I am currently reading. And he is constantly in my pull list. Meeting him for the first time was kind of like meeting an old friend because we talked before and we had very similar backgrounds. He actually got into writing through poetry, which is how I got into writing. And so he moved from poetry and and went into writing. And while he was doing, I don't know if it was his first or second master's, but he was in Brooklyn and he was like, I want to write fantasy. And he wrote a book and he's a Hugo nominated author and he's wrote several comics. In fact, he did Black Bolt's first ever solo series. And he's still a writer on novels and short stories but one of the projects I'm really excited about is he's going to be writing for Miles Morales this December, December 12th. Him and Javier Garon are going to be coming out with the new chapter in the life of the teenage Miles Morales. It is no secret that I love Miles Morales. What I'm excited about is that we're going to be finding Miles Morales in his sophomore or junior year of high school. I hear there's going to be some journaling, some self-discovery, and some really cool old villains and some new villains that are going to be in this particular Miles Morales series. And so I'm really interested to see both the new stuff, but also this idea that I know Saladin's going to put a couple 80s references in there for the 80s babies and all of us to enjoy. This is Saladin Ahmed's story. Like yeah. in general, like yeah. in, like on this day, not necessarily all the <laughs> yeah, the no, projects, I have a lot of like, things going on. Also, but yes, yes. It <laughs> well, is. thank you for coming in and making time. Thank you. Thank uh, you for you have been me. on my list for months Aww. to interview. Um, your dad was a big reader, but mm-hmm. also you kind of attributed that your dad introduced you to like comic books as well yeah what were your favorites like did you have any favorites as a kid yeah sure um i mean i was a big marvel head in the in the 80s uh so you know i was reading x-men and fantastic four and secret wars and all that kind of stuff um uh, later, I kind of got into some of the more kind of indie stuff that started to pop up in the 90s. So books like Elementals or Mage or that's more late 80s even. But uh, um, as that stuff started to come out and these more mature, quote unquote, titles started to come <laughs> out, I, I, you know, I, I was growing up alongside that market. Um, but uh, yeah, I think at the core, I mean, Marvel was like, that's the mythos that that, <laughs> that that comes to me immediately that, you know, was my first introduction to these stories and that I think is there's a reason I'm here telling a lot of stories in this world now. Did you ever think that you were going to get a chance to write Spider-Man? I never did. No, <laughs> I never I never I never thought about it uh, uh, as a kid, as a, as a possibility. You know, I didn't grow up in New York. I was in the Midwest and I didn't it's not like I saw comic book writers, you know, Queens, when I read about it in, in, in Spider-Man was some bizarre, far-off place that, you know, I'd, you know, I don't know what Queens is. So, uh, 
Um, and then when I, I, I actually eventually did move to New York and lived here for a, a number of years, but by then I was working on, on poetry and uh, uh, doing graduate school and all sorts of other things. So it's, uh, it's been a long, interesting trip here. <laughs> so I very much have always been a nerd girl, but it's very hard. And I think this is something that hits real home and why I started writing and honestly why I got into poetry to kind of find yourself into things, right? Yeah. And so... I got to know, like, as much as I love your writing, like, performance poetry? Like, what was, like, what was the motivation behind that? Um, gosh. I, um, it was the first serious writing that I did was poetry, actually. Even though I really learned to read from things like Marvel Comics, Dungeons and Dragons books, stuff like that. Um, when I first started to write, at least, you know, I guess 17, something like that. Um, and really think about writing and, you know, not in response to anything from school or, or but just like really try my hand at it. You know, my father was uh, very big on the kind of Detroit art scene still is. Um, and Detroit is a very vibrant kind of cultural scene. Uh, and he um, he used to take me to, you know, poetry readings. There's um, uh, in particular a kind of very big kind of black poetry community in Detroit that um, he was kind of keyed into, and a, a friend of his who was doing this kind of experimental stuff. I went and saw um, a poet named Kim Hunter perform uh, in Detroit. I don't remember where, with my dad when I was like sixteen or seventeen, and it just—he was just the coolest person on the planet. Seeing him up here reading these images, and um, yeah, I was like, I want to, I want to do that. And so I went home and wrote my crappy imitations <laughs> of his, and uh, and then you know, just I was already a big reader. But I, I just I became a much more focused writer. And I think poetry is a great place. You know, I've taught creative writing a lot. And uh, there's a reason poetry is a place that a lot of people come into writing is because it's short. You don't have to create a whole plot. Um, and people feel like they can be more expressive. They can do it in the first person rather than creating characters. That, and so it's, it's um, um, in terms of studying language at this very small crystallized level, it was, it was great. Thank you for bringing it up because I have a couple friends who are artists in Detroit, Dream Hampton, um, Invincible. I remember the first time I heard Invincible rap, I like lost my mind. Oh my goodness. I was just stood there and I had to be 18 years old and I just (laughs) stared at the stage like now see, it's it's generations are funny because I've known them since they were probably about 16, 17, and uh, they used to come and perform in Ann Arbor, actually. uh, just you know, do their thing, um, this young kid. And it was, you know, I, yeah, so this is the world is small. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> well, and I loved it because I, I bought the CD that day, Platinum Pied Pipers, mm-hmm. brought oh, it gosh, home, yeah. and yeah. I had to be the only group. person yeah, yeah. like blasting out of my car yeah. on my HBCU campus, yeah. the Platinum Pied Pipers, <laughs> yeah. and the song Detroit Winter. Yeah, and yeah. it was just, oh, it was epic. If you can't take the winter, you don't deserve the summer. Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Totally. It was, yeah. so from poetry, but also like you come from a very deep sense of community. And I think that's the thing about, I love about Detroit and what I know about Detroit, mm-hmm. even though you're originally from Dearborn. Yes, yeah. It's like this whole idea of community, this whole idea of sense of self. But there's a, a large uniqueness about the fact that your family community organizers, very heavy in politics. Mm-hmm. And your grandmother was a private detective. My, my my great grandmother, who was sort of the matriarch of our family, was uh, she was a remarkable woman. Her name was Aliyah Hassan, and she was uh, she was born in South Dakota in 1910, 
right? So that's how far back that Lebanese part of my family goes. Um, we've been here a long time. And uh, she was sort of married off to a, you know, immigrant guy at 15 or something like that. Um, you know, back then, not that uncommon. And uh, she left him because he was abusive and uh, basically made this life for herself. She got married and divorced several times in an era where for any woman that was hard to do, but for an Arab woman especially, it's like um, astonishing that she did that kind of on her own terms in a couple of cases. And then she she educated herself. You know, she went and uh, she never got a college degree, I don't believe, but she, um, you know, went and studied and uh eventually got a private detective's license and was a union organizer and did all sorts of amazing things that very few women at the time were, were, were doing. And uh, someday I'll write her story. Someday I'll write her story. But that's like the big, the big thing that I have to feel like I'm up to before I ever try and take that task on. That's amazing. But in, I think it reflects, though, in how you write your story. So all the characters are, are so rich. Like, one of the reasons I immediately fell in love with Exiles was because the characters were so rich. Like, I felt like I was sitting there and you had taken time with each one of them. And you've said this before. You've said that when you look at a character, particularly when you're looking at a character outside of yourself, that you think about what their path was, mm -hmm. who they were as a kid and like what made them into who they were. Yeah. And it's just so amazing to watch that. That's very sweet. Uh, what do you think has been like the biggest challenge, though, to go from doing this in a novel form mm -hmm. into like transitioning over to comics? Well, uh, part of it is is allowing the artist to do their part in telling the story and not mm -hmm. kind of uh, trying to do the whole job yourself because nobody wants you to do that, right? <laughs> and uh, so, Exiles is a wordy series. If you if you put it next to uh, some other things I've written, there's a lot more prose on the page. But even that is uh, is scaled back a little bit from what I could do with all these characters <laughs> and their and their rich history, right? But yeah, I, I think in comics, in particular writing for Marvel, you have the whole other thing of these are characters with a history. These are characters with expectations that people have. To me, when I go in there and I write Blink, for instance, um, you know, I... I have to think about what's interesting to me about this character. What do I feel like hasn't been talked about with this character? Um, but also respect what's come before you, right? And it's, yeah. a, it's a balancing act. And I think that's the thing I really do enjoy about your writing, particularly about just kind of the story behind Black Bolt. Mm. I thought it was, it was very interesting, the fact that you kind of had an idea prior to going into Black Bolt about mm -hmm. this idea of a space prison. Because, mm -hmm. you know... Who doesn't love stories about space prisons? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, but also this idea of really talking about, I felt it was very brave that you decided to tackle this idea of incarceration and innocence in a comic book form, like right off the bat. Mm -hmm. you know. And I think it, it speaks a lot to the ideas of social justice that you kind of interweave, but also this concept that it may not be a straight thing about a message but understanding that different people deal with different issues just as part of their daily life yeah yeah exactly you know it's it's we talk a lot about um the human story behind the superhero story right but what we don't talk about as much is that um human stories are different you know i mean uh you're everybody has a universal human story but that universal human story is filtered through the reality of kind of did you grow up in uh 
Sydney, Australia, or did you grow up in Indianapolis, right? Those are very different human stories to some degree, even though there's, there's unifying threads. And um, to me, to get at these heroes' human stories uh, requires paying attention to, to kind of all, all, all that detail, right? Um, they're not just generic human beings when they take off the costume, but they're, they're real people that exist um, uh, in, in a real world that we all made up, but <laughs> we hope is, is convincingly real, right? So what is the first thing you think about when you sit there and go, okay, this person is human? Hmm. Are we talking about what do they eat for breakfast? Are we talking about are they wearing sneakers? Are they wearing brogues? Are we are you really looking at I think a lot about where people fit into to systems, you know? I mean we have a lot of systems that that dictate us. Were you rich or were you poor? You know, were you a man or a woman or or neither? You know, there are a lot of different ways in which we humans uh, are kind of subdivided and, and, and not just subdivided, but in hierarchies, right? When, when this gets talked about on social media, everyone is just kind of focuses on, oh, this is race, this is gender. But there's this, this happens along a hundred different lines. So when I was writing Crusher Creel, this is a guy who's spent his life as, as a thug, basically, right? And uh, he has a very different experience than someone like Black Bolt who spent his life as a king. And they mm-hmm. connect eventually over the course of the series in this universal kind of bonding human way, but uh, but it requires for them to pay attention to their differences, not to just kind of pretend they're not there, right? Yeah. I feel like, particularly when I look at what you did with the team of Exiles, that's really core. You're talking about people from completely different places. Yeah, yeah literally different worlds. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Different backgrounds, different motivations, but oh. there's this, this key thing, which is we want to save the people we love, mm. And mm-hmm. there's a sense of duty that you kind of have. But I think the coolest thing is when I look at them, I see everyday people. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's the infamous inspiration that some of the characters have. But you could take that story and it could be a high school bunch of friends who yeah. just met. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love group dynamics like that. And I love I love when superheroes are hanging out. It shouldn't be. In some ways, it shouldn't be that different than when you're around a dinner table with your friends or when you're uh, at the office uh, arguing with your coworker or whatever it might be. Right. So you're a big sci-fi nerd. I am. Clearly, because the last the Spider-Man that just came out, the sci-fi was just interwoven oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. into yeah. the annual. Yeah. Why sci-fi? Like, what is it about it that really clings to you because it almost seems like your DNA is interwoven into it. <laughs> you know, um, I'm as much a fantasy as science fiction, but I think in both cases, it's just the ability to imagine different worlds and and use that to look at our own. And uh, I think that when you when you go to an alien planet and then you come back to Earth and you and you compare notes, as it were, right? You kind of you can learn something about Earth and about our life here that that you don't get if you're just doing a, a you know office drama or something like that or a medical drama, right? It's a different kind of remove from which you can look at look at us. Groovy. And I, I kind of say this is a, a little bit of a joke. You're 42. I am for a couple more days. <laughs> yes. Wow. You really um, did do your research. Wow. Miles Morales was bitten by Spider 42. <laughs> He's from Brooklyn. Jackie yes, Robinson's. True. Number 42. Number yeah, 42. Yeah, it's, um, it's the meaning of life. Yes, I was just going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and now you're having this opportunity to write the yeah. fourth ongoing yeah. series for Miles Morales. <laughs> wow, it's deep. I didn't even think about that. So I thought only a couple of those occurred to me. But yes, it's true. <laughs> 
so Miles is still going to be a teenager. He is still going to be a teenager. Yeah. What are we looking forward to? I know a couple of things have slipped. I know we're expecting Rhino. I, yes, we I, I are know Iron Rhino. Spider is coming back. Yeah, eventually. But, yeah. You know. Um, the, for me, this book, at least certainly the first, uh, the first arc or two of this book are about kind of taking Miles back to being a teenager. You know, he's kind of been to different universes. He's been, you know, um, a major player in a super team that, that, you know, globe hops. And, um, for me, he's all those things, but he's also quintessentially now the teenage Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's not Peter. And so, and, and to me, as much as I love, um, kind of adult Peter adventures, there's something about the Spider-Man mythos that, that intersects with, with, that age really well and uh so miles is going to be that teenage spider-man he's going to be dealing with <clears throat> romance we've got some some fun stuff coming up uh with familiar figures that you know everybody on twitter wants to know <laughs> like who <laughs> who, is who's going he going to be, be dating and so there's 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 <laughs> a lot of fun stuff planned for that um there's also going to be Wacky stuff like we've got a I've got an issue um, that's basically Miles Morales's day off, so it's like uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, but you know, and there's there's going to be a like a kind of menacing assistant principal figure that's you know, <laughs> I mean, because these superheroes are always skipping class and the the, the consequences never catch up with. So so Miles is going to have to deal with like, you know, how do you deal with a bully if you're Spider Man? You can't just beat him up, right? So yeah. if somebody's in your school, you know, I mean, all these sorts of things I think are going to be really fun to wrangle with. But I'm, I'm also very much trying to respect the world. This is not the world in which I was a teenager that we live in now, you know, and I'm trying to respect the, the world that today's teenagers are coming up in. It's a world with a lot of scary, heavy stuff happening out there. And uh, without ever kind of being like a message book, I think we're going to try and try and speak to some of those issues, too. So it's going to be a fun teenage book, but a book that's about kind of the real deal of being being a, a teenage superhero in the 21st century, what that would be like. What do you think is the most fun about having the opportunity to write? Because you're a dad, mm -hmm. so you got kids, but they're not teenagers. No, no, they're eight. Yeah. So you've got young kids. So this is like a gap that's existing here. Yeah. I mean, do you find it as challenging, as fun? Is it something like you're really looking forward to? What's that? Writing for a teenager. Yeah, absolutely. I am, and my kids are pretty precocious readers, so they're already they they've already been reading the Bendis uh, <laughs> Miles, you know, um, and uh, I float I float some stuff by them because they're sort of teenagers in their own minds. But um, <laughs> but no, it's it's a lot of fun and it's a challenge, you know. I you you have to respect the experience without trying to imitate it. I'm a 42 year old man, and if I try and write like a teenager it's going to be painful, you know? And so it's, uh, it's sort of um, trying to give people that flavor without, um, without ever being inauthentic, right? Yeah. So you have all these things on your plate. There's some rumors of some other projects coming down yes, the bin. Yes, yes, exciting um, rumors. <laughs> I love exciting rumors, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. But, you know, if you had a dream project, what would it be? Oh, gosh. You know, I think I'm doing it right now. The thing that I discovered after coming into comics is I used to think that way, say, I want to write this character. And what you realize is it's really about this character might be doing something over here that doesn't make any sense. And you just, you take what comes at you. And I, I think to me, it's become less about like, I have to write this guy and more about like, I'm just excited to be telling these stories. I mean, I would love someday to do my run on Cap. <laughs> but 
whether that's in the cards is uh, uh, I could I could live my whole life happily not doing that too. So, <laughs> um, all right. So I got a couple of uh, quick fire questions sure. that I am going to throw at you. Absolutely. What's on your iPod right now? Um, I, I mostly stream, so it's like whatever I ask Siri to play me, I guess. But um, lately, I've been listening to uh, a lot of old uh, funk disco stuff. Nice. So yeah, but it's the the psychedelic rock I'm, I'm i'm pretty uh i have pretty wide ranging musical tastes it's, it's all got to be like from before 1980 sadly because i'm not caught up on current no i have no qualms with that at all <laughs> captain america versus iron man oh cap all day every day <laughs> uh shuri versus moon girl oh, come on no i can't accept that as a versus that's like <laughs> making a no, they've just got to like, you know, Shuri could take Moon Girl, you know, for ice cream or something like that. No, they can't. No, I refuse. They're just one. best friends. Yeah. yeah okay. Definitely. We we will agree definitely. on yeah. them being best yeah. friends yeah. and ruling the world. Yes. There we go. Great. Um, what is your superpower? <laughs> to turn anxiety into productivity. <laughs> we'll talk about that later because I need to know how you do that. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I think I'd want... I have competing impulses because there's part of me that just wants the Magneto, like, you know, combo, flying, control metal, you know, basically, you know, make force fields. I mean, that's a great thing about Magneto. He has whatever powers you kind of need him to have, sort of. But um, I, I think realistically, because I talk about, because I do have two eight-year-olds, we talk about this all the time. Um, I think healing. I think healing, nobody ever talks about what an astonishing power that would be in real life to be able to, you know, that's that's one of the things when you're sick or somebody you care about is sick, there's nothing you can do about it sometimes. And uh, to be able to do something about it would be pretty incredible. All right. Favorite superhero? <sighs> there's no wrong answer. I, You know, I could hem and haw and go back and forth. I think really at the end of the day, it's probably T'Challa. It's like, you know, I, I, and it's been bizarre because for a long time, that was my answer. And up until a couple years ago, you know, most people in mainstream who weren't yeah. nerds were like, huh, who? To who? <laughs> and, now, and now it's, <laughs> everybody knows Black Panther. And now T'Challa's wearing cowboy boots and a yeah, 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 Yes, and some exiles. of us are responsible for that. I am so excited about King. <laughs> well, that's it. We're That's done? It. Yay. That okay. was awesome. Wasn't Thank you easy? so much. That was great. Yes. No, no trick questions. Yes. No, no trick questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I got, we, we have to talk about this. I, I, your literary vice is amazing. I was like, write the first three chapters and write the last one. <laughs> you can catch Saladin Ahmed's work right now with Exiles, which is an ongoing series, as well as you should look out for his upcoming series, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, coming out December 12th, 2018. Quick note, Marvel's Voices will be taking a little bit of a break in December, but we will be back, I promise, in January 2019 with some brand new interviews and a couple of uh, surprises. Thanks for listening. See you next time.